Hi, and welcome to episode 6 of season 2 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. Uh, Before I get started kind of summing up what we're going to do today, I want to apologize for not having put out an episode in over two weeks. Uh, A lot of schoolwork and projects and exams have been coming up, so it's just been hard for me to make do. But now I've finally gotten it all together, so here we are. And this will be a very long episode as we begin discussing Apollo's children, all their stories and descendants, until we've completely exhausted it all in advance so I don't sound like a hypocrite. I do avoid discussing stories that I don't think get contextualized properly within uh, like just this episode without having to write out just extensive pages of trying to give all the relevant information for you to understand it. So if I mention we're going to talk about it later, trust me, we will talk about it later just for right now. It's not worth it. Um, so yeah, this will be considered part three. <laughs> as apparently there's too much information on Apollo's children and all their descendants to fit into one episode, so at least expect a fourth episode. I don't think we'll need a fifth, at least within Apollo. Um, If we do, I mean, you'll hear about it in the next episode. So yeah, I hope as always this will be fun, but it'll be super dense. So without further delay, let's dive right in. So the first child we're going to talk about is Aeneus. So this is slightly different from Aeneas because it's a U instead of an A and towards the end. And so he was a son of Apollo and Stilpe, the daughter of the river god Peneus, and he married Aenete, A-E-N-E-T-E, so very similar names, um, daughter of Eusorus, and he was the father of Caesicus, the king of the Doliones in Mycia. We will discuss the story of Caesicus when we get to the Argonauts section later. It just sets it up better, Um, but yeah. So then next, we have Amphithemis slash Garamas. He's the son of Apollo and Akakale slash Akakale, daughter of Minos and Pasiphae. And under the name Garamas, he was the eponym of the Garamantian tribe in Libya. He eventually married Tritonus, the nymph of the lake with that name, and fathered on her Nasimon and Kephaurus slash Kephalion. So that just means they have the, like those are alternate names for the same person. So Kephaurus slash Kephalion was a Libyan shepherd who killed the Argonauts Erebotes slash Eurybates, son of Teleon, and Canthus, son of Canathus, when they tried to steal a sheep. This leads to Kephaurus getting, like, absolutely dumpstered by the Argonauts. And this is kind of, like, uh, one of those, like, side stories in the Argonauts section that we will definitely cover, but it feels really, like, random and really just out of the blue and not necessarily something super normal. So, yeah. Next, we have Aeneas. Now, this is A-N-I-U-S, so maybe Aeneas is a better way of saying it. He was a king of Delos and priest of Apollo, as well as a son of Apollo and Royo, daughter of Staphylus and Chrysothemis. So we already discussed his story when we talked about uh, Royo and, like, you know, the whole setup and how did he eventually end up being at Delos and stuff. And uh, by Doripa slash Doripi, so I mean just an A versus an E, He fathered the Oinotropi, the wine growers, Um, three daughters named Elias, Spermo, and Oino, who could respectively produce olive slash olive oil, seeds slash corn slash wheat, and wine. Oino just quite literally is wine. And he also was the father of Andros, who became the king of Andros, and possibly the eponymous uh, Mykonos and Thassos, but... Uh, their stories aren't super, super important. So the Oinotropi actually have a cool story. So they 
they are the daughters again, and they were devout followers of Bacchus slash Dionysus, and one day, Agamemnon came to Delos to capture the girls, thinking they could feed the Greek army at Troy. So he eventually does capture the girls, but they prayed to Bacchus slash Dionysus to save them, and they were turned into white doves. And another little story, but this is more so about Aeneas as opposed to uh, any of his kids. Um, he and Anchises, the father of Aeneas, were old friends, and he actually entertains Anchises, Aeneas, and company when they stopped at Delos, having fled from Troy. So that'll make way more sense in context later, but it's just like a little like, oh, look at all these connections. So yeah. Next, we have Aristias. So Aristias is going to be one of our longer ones, but not the longest by any means. So he was the son of Cyrene, daughter of Hypsaeus, king of the Lapiths, and Apollo. He was either raised by Gaia and the Horai, which is like Eunomia, Dike, and Irene, who I've talked I've talked about in a previous episode. And he was sometimes said to have been raised by Chiron and taught medicine. Sometimes, though, it is said that the Muses taught him divination and medicine. So this is a classic, you know, like 86 different versions, just describing the raising of him, let alone anything else. And he took care of the Muses' flocks of sheep, uh, which grazed in the plain of Psia. It's like... So you can say phthia, like P-H-T-H-I-A, or phthia, because it's probably it's a phi, so it's like an aspirated P, um, in the Thessalian Valley of Tempe, beside the Peneus River. The nymphs there taught him hunting, beekeeping, olive, grove- olive growing, cheese making, and the art of the vine. Eventually, he taught men the skills he had learned. This is another classic thing, is divinities will teach mortals things, or like, you know, nymphs, I guess they're still divinities in some sense will teach mortals things, and then the mortal passes it on. So he has a famous story involving Orpheus that we'll discuss when we get to Orpheus, um, just because it has better context with him. Either way, what comes out of the story is that his bees start dying. So he was known as like the beekeeping god, although I guess at the time he's technically immortal. And unsure what to do, he asked Cyrene, who lived in a crystal palace under the waters of the Peneus, what he should do, and she advised him to go to the old seal shepherd Proteus whose lair was apparently in Thessaly, um, and asked him what to do. So the reason why I say apparently in Thessaly is Proteus has different layers depending on the version of the story. Um, So yeah, just keep that in mind. And so uh, knowing that Proteus could shapeshift, that is a big thing about a lot of water divinities, Aristias bound uh, him and held Proteus as he shapeshifted until he gave up. So Proteus apparently just gives up after a while because somehow mortals are able to restrict a shapeshifting God, although if they just shapeshift to water, I'm, or any liquid for that matter, I'm kind of lost. Anyways, Aristides was then told because of what he had done, he uh, he needed to sacrifice bulls in a grove sacred to the Gyads, who were the sisters of Orpheus's wife Eurydice, and to Orpheus himself, and uh, he would see bees come like nine days later, swarming in the rotting carcasses of the bulls, which is pretty cool but also pretty nasty um after this he married autonoe daughter of cadmus king of uh thebes and harmonia and fathered upon her acteon acteon was taught the art of hunting by chiron and he faced a tragic death for various reasons he either died one because he boasted he was a better hunter than artemis two because he offered to violate artemis in her temple three uh, Zeus killed him because he tried courting his own aunt Semele, whom Zeus was actually courting, or four, 
the more usual story goes that he stumbled upon Artemis bathing with her nymphs in a spring on Mount Cithiron, and for this violation he was turned into a stag and his hunting dogs tore him apart. Then, Chiron made a statue of him to ease the howling of the poor, confused hunting dogs. Due to his death, Acteon that is, Aristides left mainland Greece filled with pain. Then, inhabitants of the island Chaos came searching for him as they figured he would help them with the excessive heat that came with the rising of the dog star Sirius. When he went there, on Apollo's orders, he was made king immediately. Then, he sacrificed to Sirius and Zeus, and Zeus sent the cooling Atesian winds. He eventually said to have cultivated both Sardinia and Sicily afterwards. Don't really know too much about the relevance in terms of like what that adds to like other stories and such, but that's just like a little thing noted in the books. So, these are just going to be some random side stories that don't really fit any exact narrative directly, but it's interesting. So, he's said to have accompanied the conquest of India with Bacchus slash Dionysus and an Arcadian army. He's said to have introduced beekeeping to Arcadia. He's said to have planted the precious herb Silphium, which produced both a cure and a spice in Cyrene. Uh, finally, he was a daughter. He had a, he had a daughter named Macris, who is said to have been the nurse of Bacchus slash Dionysus. In the end, he's another half-mortal, half-immortal, aka like demigod, who, like Bacchus slash Dionysus, Hermes, and Asclepius, become a god. And he was a legendary god of beekeeping, which I think is pretty neat, honestly. Next, we have Asclepius, or Aesculapius if you're Roman. Um, he was the god of medicine and the son of Apollo by either Coronis, daughter of Phlegias, or Arsinoe, daughter of Leucippus. In some versions, he was born at the foot of Mount Myrtion slash Myrtium in Epidaurus, which explains why Epidaurus was a cult center for him. In this version, the shepherd Aristhanes found him with lightning radiating from his body and knew he should not mess with the baby and left him. After all this, Chiron was left to raise the boy and taught him the art of medicine. After he had mastered the craft, Athena gave him two vials of Gorgon's blood. The one from the left vein flowed with fatal poison that could kill anyone or anything, even, like, I believe an immortal could be affected by this. Um, and then version, although maybe that's the, that could be the Hydra's blood that does it. But, I mean, the, the Gorgon's blood is supposed to be, like, super powerful. And the other one from the right flowed with a magical healing elixir that could even revive a dead person. Or Asclepius was so talented in healing that he knew how to use it to revive a dead person. So he's said to have revived various people. I mean, that's that's expected including Capaneus, son of Hipponous and Astinome, Lycurgus, son of like Theban, Tyndarius, son of either Pyrires or Oebalus, and either Gorgophony or Batea, Hymenaeus, son of either Bacchus slash Dionysus and Aphrodite, or Apollo and Cleo slash Urania slash Calliope, just depending on the muse, Glaucus, son of Minos uh, or Hippolytus, son of Theseus and Hippolytus slash Antiope, Hippolytus is usually the most common version, and he's actually said to have taken the name Weirbius as an Italic deity when he was revived. But for this, Zeus was afraid of having such a dangerous precedent set that he destroyed the man with the lightning bolt. Either way, he was put into the stars as a constellation Ophiuchus, like O-P-H-I-U-C-H-U-S, I don't really know how to pronounce that, uh, known as the Serpent Holder, or he was deified. He had children by either Xanthi or Epione, named Podalirius, Machaon, Akeso, just the goddess of healing, Yase, the goddess of like recuperation from illness, Panacea, Panakea, the 
the goddess of like the universal remedy, Aglaia, just, just general goddess goddess of like radiance and good health, and Hugea, Hygeia, the do- the goddess of like health or like sometimes hygiene is where her is what comes from her name. So he's also said to have had a cult at Tricca in Thessaly. Um, the snake was associated with him because when Rome experienced a plague, the Romans brought him in the form of a huge snake from Epidaurus to Rome, and then the plague left them. So yeah, with all that said, we can dive into his children. So we have Machaon and Podalirius. So sometimes um, their moms are said to be Arsinoe or Lampetia, daughter of Helios. Either way, um, they were kings of Tricca, Ithome, and Oikalia, together like co-kings, and they were both suitors of Helen, the daughter of Zeus and Leda, and therefore brought 30 trips, thirty ships to Troy. They, in some versions, are actually said to have learned the art of healing from Poseidon. That seems kind of odd, personally, because that's not really like a super common thing associated with Poseidon. Maybe the concept of like water, you know? I have no idea. So, regardless, we're going to now split into the two, because they do have like slightly... Um, specific stories that we want to discuss. So Machaon was notably more of a surgeon uh, as opposed to Podalirius being just like a general practitioner. Uh, Machaon was said to have cured Telephus's wound, Menelaus's wound from Pandar shooting an arrow. So like if you're hearing this you're realizing like all of these are Trojan War related and again context doesn't seem as useful. Um, these are just like little notes about him. Again it'll make so much more sense when we talk about the Trojan War. Um, he himself was healed by Hecamidae when he was injured by Paris's arrow, and eventually he was killed by either Eurypylus, son of Telephus, or Penthesilea, queen of the Amazons, and was buried in Gerenia because his dead body was brought back by Nestor, who is, like, from Gerenia. And he's also known for healing a wound inflicted on Philoctetes uh, by Heracles. I don't see where that may have come from um it seemed like a pretty just random point the books had as opposed to like you know a really nice contextually set story either way um by Anticlea, this daughter of diocles he was said to be the father of nicomachus gorgasus alexanor polymocrates spherus and alcon so nicomachus father of aristotle somehow and Gorgasus both ended up ruling the city of Pheres in Messenia. Later, Isthmus, son of Glaucus, built a sanctuary to them as warrior heroes. That's pretty much everything relevant about his children. Podalirius now. So Podalirius was also known for having healed many people, including Achamas, son of Theseus and Thydra, and Apeus, son of Panopeus, after their boxing bout at the funeral game of Achilles. He healed Philoctetes of the snakebite wound. Um, after the Trojan War, he left with Calchas, the seer and son of Thestor, Amphilochus, son of Amphiarius and Eryphile, and Leontius and Polypoetes, son of Coronus the Lapith, to Cal- Colophon. There, Calchas died, and Podalirius asked the Delphic Oracle what to do, and he was told to settle where it seemed as if the sky fell around him, so he settled in the Kerosonis. Uh, Kerosenes, Kerosonis, um, at Caria, which was ringed with mountains. So, like, the whole idea, like, you know, I guess the sky literally fell upon him because he's, like, trapped in essence is the idea. And uh, sometimes he's said to have a shrine dedicated to him where he's buried with Machaon. 
Um, he's also said in different versions to have washed up on the shore of King Demethus, having been found by a goat herd, and he healed King Demethus's daughter Sirna after she fell from her roof. He was then married to her and got the Carian Peninsula, where he founded the town Cyrnos. There's also a sanctuary dedicated to him at the foot of Mount Drion in Italy that is said if you sacrifice a black ram and, she- and s- sleep in its skin, you would get prophetic dreams. That seems really interesting, but I have like no idea how that makes any sense or is connected to Podolirius for that matter. I just, maybe there's an association with like uh, Calchas and that's why that was a thing, but that seems like really odd. Anyways, we now move on to Broncos. So this is just like Branch U.S. This is his name quite literally spelled. And he was either a son of Smyrkus, a native at Delphi, and his mom had a vision where she dreamt of the sun passing through her body, which Sears told her was a good sign, and then she bore Broncos to Apollo. So you can either be a child of Smyrkus or Apollo, just depends on your version. So either, one, as a son of Apollo, he was bestowed great divination power, and his descendants, the Bronchidae, were appointed as the priests of his oracle at Miletus, or two, Bronchus was a son of Smyrcus, and Apollo fell in love with the handsome boy, while the boy was tending flocks, and he gave him the power of divination. Then, he founded an oracle south of Miletus at Didymos, which was regarded equal to the prestige of Delphi. This oracle was again served by the Bronchidae. So this is like, one of those pretty um, random stories that don't seem to like connect extremely well to the general realm of Greek myth, but I think it's interesting nonetheless, like the significance that comes out of such a quote-unquote random story. Next, we have Chiron, but in 7i, it's the A.E. diphthong from Latin, and he was the son of Apollo and Thero, daughter of Phylos and Lepephilini. His claim to fame is that the city Arne later got its name Chironea from him, according to Pausanias. That's literally it. Next, we have Coronis. Coronis was a son of Apollo and uh, Chrysorthe, daughter of Orthopolis, and he, by some unnamed wife, fathered Korox and Lamedon, and he was a king of Aegeale. So either during Korox or Lamedon's reign, they died childless and were succeeded by Apopius, son of Poseidon and Kanake, or just of Aloeus. If Korox were on the throne, Apopius succeeded him after he died childless, then Apopius died childless, and then he was succeeded by Lamedon. After Apopius was killed by Lycus, son of Chthonius, one of the Spartoi, or of Horaeus and Clonia, or of Poseidon and Kalino, um, Lamedon became the king. And he married Pheno, daughter of Clytius, some Athenian. And while waging war with Archander, Archander, and Architeles, sons of Acastus or Achaeus, he got the help of Sicyon, a prince of Attica, either a son of Pelops, Marathon, or son or grandson of Erechtheus. And for helping him, uh, for like Sicyon helping him, he bestowed his daughter's Exipia upon Sicyon, and Sicyon later became the king and renamed the city of Sicyon after himself. So Sicyon is actually like a fairly common, not common in terms of like there's a ton of Sicyons, but common is in like a very, like, I guess a relatively well-known name that you encounter in myth, myth a fair amount. And so, yeah, that's just like a little interesting story about how that's connected to these, again, seemingly like pretty obscure people. 
Next, we have the Corybantes. They were the male attendants of Sibylle, the Phrygian mother goddess, and were regularly identified as the Cretan Curites. Like, they seemingly have the same function. They were not the same people, but same function. And they celebrated Sibylle's rites with the banging of spears and shields. This practice was like that of the frenzied followers of Bacchus slash Dionysus. So yeah, they're pretty interesting. They're pretty, like, obscure characters, I guess, in terms of, like, the Greek realm and in terms of, like, their stories and stuff. But they are, like, an interesting bunch. Next, we have Kyknos, or Kyknos. Um, he was a son of Apollo and Hyria slash Thyria, daughter of Amphinomus. And he was considered the most handsome hunter in Aetolia, which is like a pretty big deal. Like, Aetolia is not a small region. And he had many suitors and lovers, but he was quite the rude dude to the point that only one man remained, Phileus slash... Okay, so it's Phileus either with one or two L's. Sometimes he just rejected all of them. And Phileas was just the one who still stayed. So yeah, it either is like, you know, he's just a complete, uh, rude, completely rude person. And then everyone left because they're like, I'm not going to deal with this garbage. Or uh, he actually rejected everyone. I guess he could still do that rudely. And Phileas remained. So Kiknos gave to him three imposing labors if he wanted to win his affection. The tasks were, one, killing a lion without weapons. Two, to catch a live and tame some wild birds, and three, to bring in a wild bull. Either, so there are two versions now we have here, after we've listed out his labors, he either finished these Herculean tasks with the help of Heracles, but had exhausted his patience and left Kickness, leading to him and his mom throwing themselves into a lake, where they were turned into swans by Apollo. Kickness, by the way, literally means swan, um, as far as I'm aware, unless I'm like completely butchering that. Or, Phileus did the task on his own, but hesitated to give a bull, like give the bull, the wild bull he was supposed to capture. And Cygnus, sensing this hesitation and noticing this, threw himself into a lake. And then his mom, as well as uh, him again, threw themselves into this lake, became swans. And the lake was actually named after his mother. I don't know why it wasn't named after him. Because usually Greek mythology takes the males, but maybe like more like lake and pond related deities are tend to be female while like rivers are mostly male i have no idea next we have delphus delphus was a son of apollo and clino daughter of hyamas who is said to be the reason for where we get apollo shrine at delphi like where it gets its name that is although usually it's more associated with the whole dolphin story that i already talked about when he jumps on the cretan ships but then we also have Apollo Delphinius. There's like one outside Athens, and then there's one, like, I guess there's also, I guess, Delphi, so it's kind of confusing. I'm not entirely sure. This is always a kind of confusing part because a lot of times these types of stories can be made in retrospect to explain, like, be like ITA, like, ITA, like reasons, and then they, like, mess with other stories and make it convoluted as to which one's quote unquote correct. Anywho. We now dive in to our last person of this episode, but this should not be like a, oh, okay, it's the last person. We only are like 23 minutes in, seemingly. No, this person has so many kids and so many kids and so many kids. Like, this is the reason I practically just stalled on doing this for so long. So let's dive right in. Doris. He was a son of Apollo and Phthia. Um, who, along with his brothers Laodicus and Polypoetes, were leaders of the Curetes, 
and were killed by Aetolus, son of Endymion, and Asterodea, slash Chromia, slash Hyperippi, slash Neus, slash Iphianasa, who drove them out from the land later called Aetolia. So Doris had a daughter named Xanthippe, who married Pluron, the son of Aetolus and Pronoe, daughter of Phorbas and Phorbus, and bore to him Agenor, Sterope, Strat- Stratonica, Leophanta, and sometimes Cures and Caledon. Agenor married Epicaste, daughter of Caledon, brother of Pluron, and fathered on her Portheon and Demonice slash Demodice, and sometimes also Thestius. So, Portheon and Eurite, daughter of Hippodamas, had Oeneus, Agrius, Alcathous, Melas, Leucopeus, and Steropi. Sometimes he is said to have uh, by a wife named Leothoe, Sterope, uh, Eurythemista, and Stratonike. Also, by some serving woman, he fathered the Argonaut Laocoon. So, this is where I'm trying to like really emphasize. This devolves into a whole mess. We are now under like a sub point. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a long while. So, Oeneus married Althaea, daughter of Thestius and Eurythemus slash Leucippe, and fathered Toxius, Thyreus, Clymenus, Meliager, Gorgi, and Deanira. Then, after Althaea committed suicide, he married Paraboya, daughter of Hipponous, king of Olenus, either by winning a victory over Hipponous, or Hipponous sent her over since she was seduced by a god Ares and had failed her chastity. By Paraboya, he fathered Tydeus. Let's dive into their children now. So Toxius, son of Oeneus, died by Oeneus's hand, actually, after jumping over some ditch where it was forbidden to do so. Which seems so stupid. I think there's, like, a similar dumb version, like, or dumb story like this with Romulus and Remus, where it's, like, some excuse that Remus jumped over some, like, line or something he wasn't supposed to cross. Anyways, really weird, dumb story. We have Meliager, famous hero we'll talk about eventually. His story is way too much to just go into detail now. We have Gorgi. She married Andraimon and bore to him Thoas, the leader of the Aetolians of Troy. Sometimes, though, it is said she, and not Paraboya, bore Tydeus to Oeneus because for some reason Zeus had willed that Oeneus should fall in love with his daughter. Then we have Deanira. She was courted by the river god Achelous and Heracles, who wrestled for her with Heracles winning. On their way to Trachis, after Heracles accidentally killed Eunomus slash Chiathus, son of Architeles, and cupbearer of Oeneus, the centaur Nessus tried to rape her near the river Evanus. As Nessus was dying at Heracles' hand, he gave to Deanira a potion of his blood and semen, arguing that it was a love potion to ensure Heracles' love for her. After Heracles had taken the hand of Iole as a concubine, Deanira got worried and spread the potion over a tunic and had it sent to him via Lycus. Uh, this potion, which uh, Nessus did not mention, also was infused with Hydra's blood. So that means it's going to kill Heracles. So, Lycus literally rolls up and hands this, like, uh, robe to Heracles and not knowing what he's doing. And when Heracles puts it on, he ends up experiencing excruciating pain as he's dying. And he literally chucks Lycus off Mount Oita, where he was turned into stone into the Lacadian Islands. And... Uh, because of all this, Deanira killed herself, and her tomb can be found at Trachis. Uh, Heracles and Deanira actually had hi- children, Hylus, Te- 
Tesipis, and Macaria. We will talk about them at a later time. Next, we have Tidius. He was a famous member of the Seven Against Thieves that we'll eventually get to discuss. He was banished by Agrius for either killing his uncle Alcathous for killing the sons of Melos, who were Phenius, Euryalus, Hyperleus, Antiochus, Eumedes, Sternops, Xanthippus, and Stenelaus for plotting against Oeneus, or for killing his own brother Olenias. Due to this, he left to Argos in search of help and came to Adrastus, son of Teleus and Lysimache, and married his daughter Deipoli. Eventually, after much else that we will discuss at a different time, he fathered Diomedes upon Deipoli. Diomedes will not discuss his exploits at Troy or at Thebes, but only the befores and afters. So, after the Epigony, he, along with Alcmaeon, son of Amphiarius and Eryphili, wiped out the sons of Agrius, excluding Thersites and Onchestus, who had fled to the Peloponnese prior for overthrowing his grandfather Oeneus, and he either put Oeneus on the throne or Andrymon. If Oeneus were too old to be put on the throne, Diomedes brought the old man to Argos and buried him at the town of Oinoe, founded in his honor. Then, Diomedes went to the Trojan War and did legendary things and rolled out. So when he came back, he honestly took quite an L, even though he was like one of the very few like major Greek leaders that survived returning home. So either when he returned, one of the two things happened. His wife Aegiale, daughter of Aegialeus, son of Adrastus, his grandfather, had cheated on him with Cometes, son of Stenelus, the squire of Diomedes, at the instigation of our good old friend Nauplius, or Aphrodite, and she set up a bunch of traps for him, uh, leading to him fleeing to the altar of Hera, and then to Italy, where he founded the towns of Argyrippa slash Arpi, and Tricca, after marrying Euippi, daughter of Danaeus, king of Apulia. He then fathered on her two sons, named Diomedes and Amphinomus. Or, two, Diomedes didn't have a good claim to the throne of Argos, as Cyanippus, son of Aetiolaeus, and, uh, and ended up just being like his guardian alongside Eurialis until the boy died childless. Then Kylarabes, or sorry, Kylarabes, son of Stenelus, had the next best claim. This led uh, to him leaving uh, to art like to Italy. Sorry, and either way, version one ending happened, or a different ending happened where he helped Downus. Uh, fought off enemies, but Downus would not give him the land he promised, and then he doomed the land to be sterile unless it worked on by his Aetolians, and he took the land away from resisting Downus. Downus allegedly, in the end, somehow killed him and all of his followers uh, were turned into, like, birds for this, and apparently, it's really weird, so the birds were tame when they encountered Greeks, but, like, if they encountered anyone else, they were apparently super violent birds. In the Aeneid, though, we'll hear of, like, Diomedes being just plagued with a ton of problems and seemingly not being dead. So, yeah, this is, like, the classic myth just having way too many versions. Next, we have Alcathous. Um, His only claim to fame was either being killed by Diomedes or by Oenimaeus when he was a suitor of Hippodamea. Then we have Steropi. She's sometimes said to have been the mother of the Sirens by excuse me, by Achelous. Now, we can finally move on to Thestius. So, he's sometimes said to be the son of Ares and Demonacy, either by Leucippe, Leophante, or Euthemis, and he fathered upon them Iphiclus, Leda, 
Hypermnestra, Euippus, Eurypylus, Althaea, Toxius, and Plexippus. Later, she ended up marrying uh, Tyndarius when he had been driven from the Spartan throne in his youth and had come to Aetolia. After Heracles restored Tyndarius to the throne, Leda and Tyndarius had Helen, who's usually said to be a child of Zeus and Nemesis slash Leda, Clytemnestra, the Dioscuri, Castor, and Pollux, who's usually also said to be the child of Zeus and Nemesis slash Leda, Tamandra, Philonoe, and Phoebe. So Helen, very famous name. So we can only discuss her pre- and post-Trojan War story now. Again, context is necessary. So she was known for her stupendous beauty, but that was not necessarily a severe influence in her life because of the Trojan, uh, at least pre-Trojan War. When she was 12, Theseus, son of Aegeus slash Poseidon and Aethra, decided to kidnap her along with his friend Perithous as he wanted to marry a daughter of Zeus. But a 12-year-old? What? And I guess it's the Greeks, so like they didn't really care as much. I mean, that's just nasty. Um, so Theseus did uh, kidnap her and while she was sacrificing to Artemis and took her to Ephidna slash Ephidnae, where he had his mother Aethra look over her alongside of his nurse named Phisadiae, a sister of Perithous. Sometimes, though, it is said she was given to Theseus's care by Tyndarius due to Anoraphorus, a son of Hippocoon, brother of Tyndarius, trying to rape her. And he wanted to keep her safe, so he gave her to the care of Theseus. Then, the Dioscuri, Castor and Pollux. Oh, Dioscuri, by the way, just means like sons of Zeus, which, again, seems questionable. Because, again, we already talked about how Castor is not a son of Zeus, but like that's just the collective they're given. Um, they're also known as the Spartan Dioscuri, because there are different Dioscuri. So, Castor and Pollux, along with either Academus or Decalus, and the Decalian people, help them find her and bring her back to Sparta. Then, all the Trojan War-related stuff takes place, and now we have the returns. So, she took seven to eight years to return to Sparta with Menelaus, son of Atreus and Aerope. Eventually, due to the helmsman of their ship, Canobus slash Canopus, dying via snakebite, they ended up in Egypt. I believe a Canopus is a is like the jar where they would store like the organs in like Egyptian culture so that seems like a rather eponymously chosen name I mean probably he didn't give the name to it but like you see the like choosing of names here I think at least that's the case and there was a ceremony ceremonial funeral held for him with a city being founded in his name and so at Egypt Thon slash Thonis king of the neighboring city of Canopus welcomed Menelaus and Helen there uh, Helen learned the lore of healing and herbs from Polydomna, the wife of Thon. In various versions, though, it is said Thon tried to rape Helen, and Menelaus killed him for that, or Menelaus entrusted her to Thon while he left for Ethiopia, and Thon tried courting her, but when Polydomna found out, she sent Helen to the island of Pharos with an herb to protect her from the snakes there called Helenium. Eventually, she returns back to Sparta, as we will see in the Odyssey. Like all famous folk, though, there are 80 more versions of Helen that I would like to discuss for sake of completeness. One, when Menelaus and Helen reached Sparta, Orestes had been condemned to death for killing his mom, sis uh, who was the sister of Helen, Clytemnestra. And Menelaus, for some reason, refused to defend his nephew. And then Orestes and Pylades, his best friend, seized Helen, surrounded by a train of women, and would have killed her, but she vanished into the sky by Apollo via Zeus's order, where she became a guardian of sailors. Uh, this version will make it 
bit more sense when we discuss it later, although she isn't really a guardian in that case, to be all honest. Two, Helen eventually uh, survives Menelaus at Sparta, but then was driven out by Nicostratus and Megapenthes, sons of Menelaus and Pieris slash Tereus, a slave woman, and she fled to Rhodes where she took refuge with Polyxo, wife of Laopolemus, son of Heracles and Astydamea slash Astyagi, who was originally her friend, but then decided to avenge her husband's death at Troy, so she dressed up with her maids as the Erinyes and scared her while she was in her bath, and either she hanged herself or uh, they hanged her. This led to the worship of Helen of the Tree, which is honestly just so morbid. Like, why is that a thing? Anywho, we then uh, have version 3, where she was said to have actually been a model wife, who bore Hermione and Nicostratus to Menelaus. Eventually, she was the example setter for all domestic virtues and was deified accordingly, and uh, she prayed that Menelaus also be deified, and hence there are shrines to the couple in the region. Version 4. Helen actually escaped Troy before the war was over by bribing a helmsman named Pharos, coincidence, to bring her back to Sparta, but a storm pushed them to Egypt, where he died on an island via snakebite, and she named the island after him in his honor. Pharos, that's the island she gets sent to in a different version. Uh, and so more random Helen-related stories now. So she and Paris were said to have a daughter named Alexandra slash Helena, who died to Hecuba during the fall of Troy. Allegedly, she and Achilles had a kid named Euphorion, who was loved by Zeus. And the final, like, kind of like spooky story, honestly, related to Helen was that, so there's a Cro like a Crotonian general named Leonimus, who asked the Delphic Oracle how to cure his his wound, and he was told to visit the White Island, which was in the Black Sea near the Ister slash Danube, where Ajax the Lesser, or Ajax of Locris, or Ajax Oileus could cure him. When he visited it, when he visited, he saw Ajax Salamis slash Ajax the Greater slash Ajax Telamon, Patroclus, Antilochus, and Helen, who is married now to Achilles, and Helen told to him to tell Stesichorus, a famous poet, that his blindness was due to the remarks he had made of her in his works. So yeah, this is like a weird story where it, this is kind of like the Island of the Blessed, and that's what this White Island is. Um, although in different versions, Achilles actually married to Medea, which makes even less sense, honestly. Um, but yeah, this is just like a fun little side story, and I think probably was explicitly written because of the whole Stesichorus wrote like stuff about Helen that apparently was not the nicest, and then he like became blind, and there's like an association with like Helen causing his blindness. So now we can move on to her children. Hermione married Neoptolemus, son of Achilles and Deodemea, but bore no children, blaming spells cast on her by his concubine Andromache, daughter of Aetion. And then she eventually married Orestes, son of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, and Portisamenus, king of Sparta. We will discuss the rest of his story in the Heraclid stories. And so yeah, we can now move on to Clytemnestra. She was sister of Helen, and she was first married off to Tantalus, son of Thyestes, son of Pelops and Hippodamia, or Broteos. Agamemnon, son of Atreus and Irope, or Pleisthenes and Irope, casually just rolled up and murdered her husband and son, and then Tyndarius gave him to her in marriage. I don't follow how that makes any sense, but they're like, okay. Um, this is actually usually thought to be like the catalyst that led to um, what we'll, we're about to just talk about. So she bore several children to Agamemnon, including Iphigenia slash Iphianassa, who's sometimes said to be the daughter of Helen and Theseus, 
We have Electra slash Laodicea. You have Chrysothemis, and then we have Orestes, who we've already talked about. So we're going to skip all the Trojan War-related stuff, although I guess this is Trojan War-related. And go to the post-Trojan War. So due to the urgings of Nauplius, she took a lover named Aegisthus, son of Thyestes, and his own daughter Pelopia during the Trojan War and plotted revenge for Agamemnon, who she killed alongside Aegisthus when he was bathing. She also did the same for, with an axe, for Cassandra, his concubine. Clytemnestra and Aegisthus actually had two kids named Erigone and Aletes. Eventually, she was killed by her son Orestes and daughter of Electra to, and her daughter Electra to avenge their father. We'll discuss all the children's stories post-Trojan War. Now, we can move on to Castor and Pollux. So, Castor and Pollux are known as like the Spartan Dioscuri, they're the children of Zeus. Castor is usually said to be of mortal birth, though, while Polydeuces slash Pollux is said to be a son of Zeus. And... They were thought to be Dorian heroes given their immediate conflict with like the Athenian Theseus, Dorian invasion of Athens, the whole thing, and they were sometimes said to have been born from swan eggs. Either way, they were said to have been born on Mount Tagetus in Sparta, Castor was known as the horse tamer while Pollux was known as the boxer. After their sister Helen got kidnapped, we already talked about this, with the help of Academus or the dude Decalus, they retrieved Helen and took Ithra and Phasadiae as her handmaidens. At the same time, they put Menestheus, son of Pateus, on the Athenian throne while Theseus was sitting in a chair in the underworld. They also took part in the journey of the Argonauts, which we'll discuss later, and finally, their biggest story while they were alive is the duel with the Apharidae. Apharidae, Apharides, I don't know, they're the children of Apharius. So, they simply carried off the daughters of Leucippus, who were known as, like, the Leucippidae. Um, Leucippus being a brother of Tyndarius and uh, son of, like, maybe Philodice sometimes. Anyways, they simply carried off the daughters of Leucippus, who is this brother of Tyndarius, and Leucippus by Philodice, this daughter of Inachus, uh, fathered the Leucippidae, that's like a classic patronymic form, who were named Phoebe and Halyra. Even though they were betrothed to the Apharidae, the nephews of Leucippus, named Idas and Lynceus, they just, Castor and Pollux like, nope, they're ours. Like, straight up at the wedding, they just took the brides. Um, and Castor and Halyra had Anaxos slash Anagon, while Pollux and Phoebe had Nas, uh, like Nasinous or Nesileus with a silent M at the beginning. So the story gets weirder. So the Apharidae, Apharides, whatever, were cool with it in most versions, although some more recently said they weren't. And the pairs of brothers went on a cattle expedition. After they did this, they either, ha they either had an argument over how to distribute the cattle, or Idis, having been put in charge of the spoils distribution, cut up a horse in four parts, and then said whoever ate the portion the quickest would get the first half of the cattle, and the slowest naturally the second half. The Dioscuri were caught off guard and lost to the Mycenaean cousins, leading to the dispute getting violent. Either the Dioscuri marched on Mycenae, took the cattle, and went to Sparta, or they set up an ambush. Either way, Lynceus, known for his insane vision, or keen vision is what they say, keen eyesight, climbed to the top of Mount Tagetus, or Taugetus, I think there's like actually a diaresis on the, like, Upsilon, and spotted them, and the battle ensued. Idas killed Castor with a spear, while Pollux slayed Lynceus at the tomb of their father, Apharius. Then, 
Idas was going to try killing Pogs by using the tombstone of Ephareus, but Zeus unfairly rolled up and thunderbolted the dunce. Fun fact about dunce. So it's named after Duns Scotus, who philosophers in the 16th century just boom-roasted and used his name to mean someone who's incapable of scholarship and led to the insult dunce. Sorry for the digression. Then Zeus brought Pollux to Olympus and promised him immortality, but Pollux refused, not wanting his brother to spend time in the underworld while he was in heaven, so Zeus agreed to split it with the condition that they would have to alternate days in the underworld. Story's post-death note. When Helen is said to have been looking for them during the Trojan War, it's actually due to this bout with the Afaridae slash Afaridae that they were not there. Um, They also allegedly showed up at the Battle of Lake Regulus in 496 BC alongside the Romans and went to announce to the city their victory. Allegedly, they watered their horses at the Fountain of Juturna, who is their sister in some versions, and they also were said to have been moved to the sky as stars and were the guardians of mariners endangered by storms. They would show up as the two-pointed Elmo's fire, St. Elmo's fire. According to Pliny the Elder, one ball of fire was the sign of their sister Helen and a bad omen, while two was a good sign and that the Dioscuri are there for you. So yeah, that is like a pretty long little section on like the Dioscuri, but they are like pretty significant figures. Then we have Tamandra. So Tamandra, like her sisters, um, marries someone first and then drops them for someone else. This was because Tyndarius like completely neglected Aphrodite in a sacrifice, and she was like, okay, well, all of your daughters are now going to abandon their first husband. So, Tamandra married Echimus, king of Arcadia and son of Iropus, and by him she bore a son variously named Evander, or more often Laodicus. Uh, Like her sisters, though, she abandoned her first husband, having fallen in love with Phileus, king of Dulichium and son of Algias, to whom she bore Megis and a daughter named Eurydamia. Megis is sometimes said to be the son of Phileus and Catimene, daughter of Laertes and Anticlea, therefore a sister of Odysseus. Either way, he led 40 ships from Dulichium and the Echinadian Islands to Troy. He's said by Polygnotus in a fresco of his, his at Delphi to have made it to, back to Greece alive, although the usual version says he died while returning with Prothous, a Magnesian, in a shipwreck on the coast of Euboea, and apparently Aristotle wrote an epitaph for the two. I don't know why that's a thing. Eurydamia, on the other hand, married Polyedus, or slash Polyedus, this son of Quiranus, and bore to him two sons, Eucanor and Clytus. And Eucanor's only claim to fame is he was told by Polyedus that he was fated to die at home of disease or at Troy in battle, and he chose the latter and was killed by Paris. Literally his only thing. Next, we have Hypermnestra. So Hypermnestra is no longer a child of uh, Leda and Tyndarius, but rather a child of Thestius. So she is sometimes said to be married to Oikles, son of either Mantius or Antiphates. He is said to have either died while guarding Heracles' ships at Troy, or he was killed by his mad grandson Alcmaeon while he was king in Arcadia and was eventually buried at Megalopolis. That's like Oikles' like only thing. Although usually... They didn't really know him for much besides just being a father of Amphiarius, which is kind of interesting. And together, uh, they had Amphiarius, and sometimes, though, this isn't attributed to this Hypermnestra, but actually Hypermnestra, daughter of Thespius. Again, just depends on your version. Amphiarius' story we will not talk about because we would need all of Seven Against Thebes and so much more just to contextualize the story and properly set it up for you, so we'll do it later. 
second to last, we have Althaya. We'll just dis- we've already discussed her kids, so we'll just do a brief recap. She married her uncle Aeneas and born to him two daughters, Gorgi and Deonira, and several sons, including Meliager. Sometimes, though, Deonira is actually said to be her daughter by Bacchus, and sometimes Meliager is said to be her son by Ares. So that's like the only new information, really, that we brought here. Finally, we have Toxus and Toxius and Plexippus. This is a story that will better be contextualized in the Meliager like section, so I'm just not going to talk about them now. But if you want to remember them, Toxic Platypus. So yeah, that is pretty much everything. I apologize for it being so dense. Uh, that is just the nature of Apollo somehow like having just so many kids, even though he is just like not a pole god in any notion. In next episode, we will finish the discussion of Apollo's children, um, but it will also be just super long because of descendants. So yeah, I hope as always it was fun, interesting, and just exciting to learn. I apologize for again for it being so dense. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, concerns, or complaints, you have my email. Otherwise, I'll see you next time in Apollo Part 4, where we will hopefully wrap up Apollo. Take care. Thank you.